Um, if you would indulge me for just a second, I would like to would like to ask God to 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 help me to say what it is that He wants me to say. God, I, I'm just here. I'm just here to be a vessel. I just want to do what you want me to do, and I ask God that you would that, that, that you would speak, that you would say that, have me say the things that you want said, that I would be gone, Jesus, that people would not see me, but that they would see you. Because I just want to be used of you, Jesus, in Jesus' name. Y'all may be seated. Leviticus 16 and verse 2, and if you are following along, in your Bible, you will find out very quickly that I'm skipping here. And so if you, if you keep up on the screen, then you'll know, where, you'll know where I'm going. But you don't want me to read the entire chapter, so we'd be here all day. So we're not going to do that. And the Lord said unto Moses, Speak unto Aaron thy brother, that he come not at all times into the holy place within the veil before the mercy seat, which is upon the ark, that he die not. For I will appear in the cloud upon the mercy seat. Thus shall Aaron come into the plate, into the holy place, with a young bullock for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. He shall put on the holy linen coat, and he shall have the linen breeches upon his flesh, and shall be girded by a linen girdle. And with the linen mitre shall he be attired. These are the holy garments. Therefore shall he wash his flesh in the water, and so put them on. And Aaron shall offer his bullock of the sin offering, which is for himself, and make atonement for himself and for his house. And Aaron shall bring the bullock of the sin offering, which is for himself, and shall make an atonement for himself and for his house, and shall kill the bullock of the sin offering, which is for himself. And he shall take a censer full of burning coals of fire from off the altar before the Lord, and his hands full of sweet incense, beaten small, and bring it within the veil. And he shall take the blood of the bullock and sprinkle it with his finger upon the mercy seat, verse 17. And there shall be no man in the tabernacle of the congregation when he goeth in to make an atonement in the holy place until he come out and have made atonement for himself and for his household. And Aaron shall come into the tabernacle of the congregation and shall put off the linen garments which he put on when he went into the holy place and shall leave them there. For on that day shall the priest make atonement for you to cleanse you, that you may be clean from all your sins before the Lord. During the month of October on our calendar comes the Day of Atonement. The Day of, the of Atonement was the single day throughout the year that the Israelites were able to be completely clean of their sins. The Day of Atonement was the day that the high priest was required to perform very specific rituals in order to make atonement for the sins of the Israelites. And yes, there were several things there that I left out because we don't have time to, to get into all of it today. It was a huge day for the Israelites, one that they prepared for, one that they planned ahead of time for, one, one that they probably talked about for weeks in advance. But it was also a day that probably weighed heavily on them. As they waited for the events of the day to unfold, they might not have known exactly how it would go. Maybe they held their breath in fear a little bit. But the common Israelite could do only one thing, and that was to stay away. 
They were not even permitted to be in any part of the tabernacle. They couldn't be anywhere near the ritual that their atonement depended on. They were powerless to have any influence over the whole process. And yet their standing before God rested entirely on the actions of the priest and whether he performed the rituals the exact way that God had instructed him to do so. The common Israelite had zero influence in the process of whether or not his sins would be forgiven. The Day of Atonement was also the only day that the high priest could enter the holy place within the veil before the mercy seat. It was the only day that the high priest was allowed to enter into the presence of God. It was the only day that he could take the prayers of the people directly into the presence of God. There's so much significance here that I think we totally miss if we're just reading through it and we don't really dig deep into it and think about our own. We don't compare it to our own ability to approach God. Because you see, each one of you and I, we have the opportunity to enter the holy place. But the Israelites, only the high priest could enter the holy place place. But even the high priest could not approach God in in the holy place the way that he approached the rest of the tabernacle throughout the year. On a regular basis, the high priest had certain clothes that he would wear. They were very ornate. They were colorful. They had prescribed jobs and duties, and they were noticeable, beautiful, intricate garments, special garments that only he could wear. Garments that when he walked into an area of the tabernacle, everybody knew exactly who he was and what his job was. Everybody knew how important he was because his clothes told them what he was wearing told them. His clothes not only told people how important he was, but there was probably an awful lot of pressure attached to those clothes. Have you ever been in a room and you feel like everybody is watching every move you make? And don't you dare do it wrong. Because if you do, they're going to talk about it later. And they're probably going to tell their friends. you got to be very careful sometimes. If he messed up, everyone would know. It would be talked about maybe for weeks. It would be spread far and wide. He had to wear the clothes and the roll just exactly right. There was no room for error. But on this day, on the Day of Atonement, when God was going to forgive the sins of the priest and of the Israelites and allow the priest access to the holy place, things were different. The first thing that was different was God kicked out all the prying eyes. The common Israelites, they weren't, and, and even the other members of the priesthood, they were not allowed to be in the, in the tabernacle. The Bible says no man, permit no man to be in the tabernacle. All of the people that might have been waiting for that poor priest to stumble a little bit, 
they weren't allowed in there. It was just God and the priest. Second, those garments that denoted status, the special breastplate, the turban that said, uh, okay, of course the thought is, is eluding me right at this moment because I didn't write it down, but it had a special message on it. Those things were not allowed to be used on the Day of Atonement. The colorful, bejeweled, status-declaring garments were to be taken off. He was to bathe and then put on pure white linen garments. No other colors, no special stones. No engraving across, his, across the turban on his forehead, just pure white linen garments. Then he was instructed to make a sacrifice for his sins, and then he could take the prayers of the people and finally, he could go behind the veil and into the holy place. One time per year, there was complete forgiveness and access to the presence of God. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine a life where you only had access to forgiveness once a year? Complete forgiveness, and you only had access to the to the presence of God one time per year if you were the high priest. If you were not the high priest, sorry about you, no access. You just got to hear about it. Hebrews 4 and 13 says, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. Now we're talking about Jesus here and the way that he views, the way that God views us. But all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him we have to do. Seeing then that we have a great high priest, Jesus, that is passed into heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. That's a double negative, and the reason for the double negative is to make sure you really pay attention. What that says is we do have a high priest who is touched by the feeling of our infirmities. He hears us. He knows what we're going through. He knows where we're at. He feels us, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Jesus is our high priest. He's not a man. He's perfect, and he's our high priest. And even though the same principles defined what the high priest of the Old Testament had to do are still present. Many of the principles behind what he had to do are still here. But because of Jesus, they're different. They're complete. Our relationship with Jesus is defined only by what we do in it. Your relationship with God does not have any effect on my relationship with God. The prying eyes and gossiping tongues cannot have influence in your relationship with God. When you go into the presence of God, there's no one else there. It's just you and God. It doesn't matter what your neighbor thinks because they aren't allowed there in your relationship with you and God. It's just the two of you. God doesn't care what they think anyways, just for the record. In case you were wondering, when it comes to your relationship with God, he doesn't care what your neighbor thinks about it. When God meets with you, it's just between you and him. 
But in order to have complete access to the holy place, there are some things that you do have to do. First, you must be washed. You must be forgiven. Notice the bathing of the, of the priest is mentioned. But it's no big deal. It's just a quick mention. It wasn't hard, just necessary. The effects of being washed are huge. The effects of being forgiven of sins are huge. But the process is simple. The process is easy. It's just a simple prayer. God, would you take away my sins? I don't want them anymore. That's it. That's all. It's huge, but anybody can do it. Then the priest had to strip himself of anything that would demonstrate his status to mankind. The special robe, the precious jewels, the inscription of the names of the people that he was responsible for. All of these things that symbolized his importance to the Israelites. All of these things that also weighed him down, the pressure to do things that were right, he took it, he had to take it all off. In order for you to enter the holy place, you must be willing to get rid of anything that defines you outside of God. If there is something that shows your place in a group, maybe, maybe it's a, a certain clothing item that means that you're fashionable and stylish. You have to get rid of it. Maybe it's your shoes that mean you're cultured and you know you don't go outside with shoes on. You got to get rid of them. Maybe it's goals. I have fitness goals. I like to be a little, a little thinner than I am. But those goals do not define my relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe it's a relationship that you feel like causes you struggles. Or maybe it's a fantastic relationship that draws you away. It doesn't define your relationship with God. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. Don't walk out of here and say, Jasmine said that if I have a relationship with God, I don't have to be married anymore. I didn't say that. <laughs> what I said is it doesn't have to impact your walk with God. My walk with God is completely independent of anything that anybody in this room thinks of me. It is independent of what my children do. It is independent of what my husband does. It is not defined by anybody but me and God. And when I realize that, then the effect of other people will not have so much impact on me. You, when you walk into the presence of God, God is not looking at you and saying, oh, that is the friend of so-and-so. No, no. God is not looking at you and saying, ooh, nice expensive shoes. He could care less what kind of shoes you have on. You are not the Sunday school teacher. You are not the preacher. You are not the worship leader when you walk into the presence of God. And all of those pressures that go along with these titles and these identities that we have put onto ourselves, they disappear when we walk into the presence of God. And then the priest put on pure white 
linen garments. Revelation 19 and 8 says, And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, referring to the bride of Christ here. For the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. For us, the white linen garments are righteousness. But notice, the priest didn't make those garments. We don't read about the high priest sewing the white linen garments. Somebody else made them. He just put them on. You don't create righteousness. You can't make yourself be righteousness because righteousness only comes from God. And so when you choose to put on his righteousness, then you are arrayed in those white linen garments. And then finally, there had to be a blood sacrifice for the atonement of sin. The priest had to sacrifice a bull and then a goat in order to remove his sin and the sin of the people. Now, you might be thinking, she said it was pretty easy, but this is sounding pretty complicated here. There's still a lot that I have to do. How will I keep it all straight? What if I don't do it in the right order? What if I forget a step? But you see, when Jesus went to the cross, he took care of all of those steps for you. All you have to do is embrace the cross. All you have to do is repent and be washed. We already talked about that. It's easy. When you're baptized in the name of Jesus, like the Bible says that you are, then you are buried with Jesus. And everything that you thought you were, everything that bound you, dies. And then you are raised up out of the water and you put on the righteousness of Jesus just like that. And it is just that easy. And then comes the moment. The moment when you get to enter the holy place. You will enter the presence of God and suddenly in a way that you've never felt before, your prayers are going to be heard by the Most High God. And suddenly everything is different. Suddenly, who you always thought you always were means absolutely nothing. Suddenly, all of the bondage associated with living in this world disappears. But you see, because of Jesus, we get to take this whole process even a step further than the high priest did. Because we get to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And when we are filled with the Holy Ghost and we speak in a language that we don't know, then we are filled with the Spirit of God. And not only do you get to enter His presence, not only can I come over here and enter His presence in a holy place, but now I can come over here and His presence is going with me. And over here, His presence is going with me. It doesn't matter where I go, I take Him with me. We don't have to walk away. From that, at the end of the day of atonement, the priest had to leave the holy place. He had to go back and he had to take off the white linen garments. He had to put back on all of those things that had defined him, all of those pressures, all of the things that limited who and what he could be. He had to go put them back on. The holy place was a place that most Israelites would never see. 
very, very few would ever see the inside of the holy place. It was a place of mystery. Quite honestly, it might have been a place of terror to some. It was definitely a place that a Gentile would never see. It was a place that I would not have been able to go. Matthew 27, 50 says, Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost, and behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent. When Jesus gave his life on the cross, the veil that had always separated the Israelites, the thing that said, oh no, don't you go any further than this. You've gone as far as you can possibly go. The thing that had always separated them was torn from top to bottom. Now, this veil was made of fabric that was supposed to be unterrible. And yet it was torn. It was not cut. It was torn from top to bottom because the death of Jesus, the death of Jesus made access. See, unlike the people, the common man of the Old Testament, we have a choice in our relationship with God. We don't have to stand outside the tabernacle and just hope that the high priest does it right this year and hope that somehow our sins will, will be forgiven for another year. We don't have to wonder, what does the Spirit of God feel like? As a matter of fact, we can't depend on any other person for our salvation. When Jesus went to the cross, he opened it up for all of us. And when he opened it for all of us, it became personal. And when it became personal, there was a responsibility attached to that. He made salvation available, but I have to choose to accept it. Today is not the Day of Atonement. Today is actually Pentecost Sunday, or the day of Pentecost. The day that the Holy Ghost was poured out. I believe that just as the Holy Ghost was given to everyone in the upper room, and then to thousands following, that God wants to fill every person in this room with the Holy Ghost, and then through you, He wants to fill the thousands that surround us in our community, the thousands that have never heard about this thing we call the Holy Ghost. It's not a big dream, guys. It, it, it's not. It's not impossible for God. I, sh I should not say it's not a big dream. It's not too big of a dream. It's not impossible for God to do that. I believe what I say, and I will tell you, I have personally prayed over every single chair in this room. And I would bet money that I'm not the only one that's done it. Every single chair in this room has been prayed for with the vision of God. Who are you going to put in this chair? I don't really care. I, I mean, they're nice chairs. I like these chairs. They're comfortable to sit in. You like this chair, right? Here? It's a nice, comfortable chair. But I don't really care about this chair. Oh, I only care who sits in it. And I have prayed over every single chair in this room. God, send a person send somebody into this room, somebody that we can see filled with the Holy Ghost 
and fire somebody that's going to be a life changer, somebody that's going to turn this community upside down. And if you're sitting in one of those chairs, I have prayed for you. And I guarantee you so have others. You have been prayed over. There are miracles getting ready to happen through this church. Now, if the musicians would come, I have absolutely no idea how long I have been preaching or how long I was supposed to. So if it's been three minutes, you'll just have to forgive me. If you would all stand with me, I want you to stay right where you are for a second. And I would like you to begin to talk to God. If you'd close your eyes, I want you to picture for just a moment the things, whether it's actual things or relationships, that stand between you and your freedom to be exactly what God wants you to be. The things that have bound you so that you feel like I'm not good enough to do whatever this thing is that God has called me to do. The things that have defined you so that you feel like, oh, well, I'm not married yet, and when I'm married, then maybe I can be in ministry. Or when my kids are bigger, when I don't have to do those things for my little kids anymore, then maybe I can do it. Those things, I want you to think of them right now. And don't leave out the hard ones. Don't leave out the ones that are only in your head. Don't leave out your past. So many of us are defined by our past, our ability to do or be anything in the kingdom of God is absolutely defined by the limits of our past. But it's not true. It's only in your head. It's not true when you take it to God. Your past means nothing to him. He's not even worried about it. Don't let those things define your relationship with God. If you need to repent, and I know that I do, I I regularly need to repent. Let's just take just a moment. God, I don't, please, God, don't let me have any. I don't want anything between me and you. Don't let me, don't let me be unkind and don't let me think things about people I shouldn't think. Don't let me, don't let me do anything that would cause somebody else to stumble. God, forgive me if I have. And just like that, it's gone. Just like that, it's gone. If you need to be baptized, and you feel led to do so today. And in, in a moment, we're going to come to the front. And when we do, I want you to come over here and talk to Pastor Kurt. And let him know, I have never been baptized in Jesus' name. And I see that the Bible says that you must be baptized in Jesus' name. And I don't want to miss anything. We're ready. We're ready we got clothes, we've got towels, and we've got water. If you want to be baptized, don't wait. Don't wait. Do it today.
you've done everything you need to do to be able to enter the holy place. And there is a deeper worship. We've worshiped in, in music and, and we've prayed and things like that. But when you enter into the holy place, it's a deeper worship. It, it's a worship that's all the way to the core. It's a prayer that gets at every hidden spot inside of your soul. It's a soul deep, all the way down worship. In a moment, I want everyone to begin to make their way here to the altar area. And as you come, just like the priest carried the censer and the incense and the censer was representative of the prayers of the people, and of worship. As you come, I want you to worship, and I don't want you to be shy about it. Don't You don't have to be quiet. This is not a place that is intended to be quiet. We are a Pentecostal church, and we are Pentecostal people, and that means many times we are loud. I want you to worship him with everything that is into you, and when you hit the front of this building, we're going to feel a shift in the spirit, and all of a sudden, we're going to know that we have entered the holy place, and people will be healed, and people will receive the Holy Ghost if you will only open yourself up. Okay, you can come now. And I don't want you to be shy. God, I love you. I am thankful, Jesus. I worship you, Jesus. I want you, Jesus, to be everything in my life that you can be. You are holy. You are worthy, God. Don't let them be bound, God. God, I pray a prayer over these people. I don't want them to be bound by the things that they have already seen because I know you are bigger than that. Don't let them be bound by what they see right now, God, because there is more than what they can see right now. Don't let them be bound by what society tells them they are. Don't let them be bound by their past, God. Don't let us be bound by our ideas of who we ought to be, God, but let it only be you. Don't let me be bound by what I've been taught. Don't let me be bound by what I've been told. Don't let me be bound by what I've already experienced. God, I claim release. I claim freedom. I claim healing. I claim hope. And I believe people will be changed in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.